Welcome to this week's webinar live discussion, our second of the Don't Waste a Good Recession conversations. I am your host, Jacob Aldridge. This is a discussion, uh, another incredible week in our lives uh, that we will uh, endeavour over the next however long it takes to understand and to talk practically uh, about what that means that we can do. So I am currently looking to pull up the live conversation here on Facebook. There we are. Uh, and so do join in those of us who are joining us live. Welcome. Uh, bring forth your questions, your agenda items, anything that you might want to discuss. I'm going to start this webinar as always with a brief guided meditation. There's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot that we could be talking about. There's probably a lot of things that maybe you want to be talking about or things that you actually don't want to be talking about. We will get the most out of this conversation, the most practical support out of this conversation, if we come into it well-grounded, calm and focused. So if I could encourage you, please, to lean back in your chair, whatever it is that you're sitting in, close your eyes and focus on your breath. I'd like you to take in a big, deep breath and then slowly breathe it out. Another big, deep breath in. and out. Sigh if you want to, use your nose, use your mouth, whatever feels the most comfortable. Just breathe in and breathe out. And as you let your breath go back to normal, it's worth noting what an incredibly powerful thing our breath actually is. Our breath is the conduit, the connection between our body and the outside world. And it's something that can run subconsciously, can run behind the scenes without our awareness, without our input. We will just breathe, breathe normally. It's something that we can take control of. We can be aware of without adjusting it or we can step into the driver's seat to take charge of our breath, our breathing in and our breathing out. And our emotions are very similar. They're often, mostly perhaps, subconscious. They happen behind the scenes unless we make that effort to bring them forth, to be mindful of them. I like to think of feelings, of emotions as uh, like clouds in the sky. And sometimes the clouds will overwhelm the sky. But the sky is always there. You are always there. And the clouds are moving through. Your feelings are not facts. Your feelings inform you just as your breath empowers you. You are not at the mercy of it. 
you can step forward and take charge. And if ever you find yourself lost in some of the emotions, the current world is certainly creating many scenarios for us to get lost in our emotions. Then bringing them to awareness is the first step and often the first step to that, to asking myself, how do I feel, is to connect again with our breath. So once again, being mindful of your breath. Going to take three more deep breaths in and out. Breathe in and out. Breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in. And on the final exhale, put the palms of your hands together, slowly open your eyes and join us back in the room. How was that? How was that for you? I got some good feedback last week around starting with the meditation. I think it's something that's important for us to do, not because I'm particularly uh, you know, mindful or uh, feeling that we, we need to practice more meditation or any of those kind of things necessarily myself. It's really because I'm aware of myself, my experience and my client's experience when I run workshops, that when we are present, when we are mindful, we are, we are more focused, we make better decisions, we get more out of what we're learning. And so running a meditation at the start of a conversation, something you can do at the start of your meetings, is a way to get everybody present and to actually mean that the conversations are quicker and more powerful, two things that we all need right now. Thank you to those of us who are joining live. Hello from Sydney, from Brisbane certainly on Australia time. Uh, I will always also start these conversations by putting out to your agenda. Every week we're going to have a bit of an economic update, some practical guidance for you as a business owner, a business leader in the following week. We will always have space for your agenda. Every business, we're going to talk about this a little more today, is going through their own journey, their own pace, their own challenges. Uh, and I want to make sure that this group, this conversation is as practical as possible. Uh, so now or at any point during the live discussion, feel free to ask a question, put a topic on the agenda. For those of you who are watching the recording on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, or who are listening to the audio, uh, our podcast going out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, feel free to email me, jacob at jacobaldridge.com, or join our Facebook group where you can post conversations or message me directly at any point in time uh, for either immediate guidance and support or to get on uh, and add some agenda items to our weekly conversations. I am quite keen because I know there are an awful lot of great webinars and conversations going on in the world today uh, to make sure that at the very least we get through all of this within the hour and to fulfill my promise that last week was going to be the longest we'd ever do. Uh, a lot to cover. Uh, again, feel free to ask questions if I'm going too fast. Economic snapshot as of today, Friday the 27th of March. 
In a future point, once we move past the respond phase of the economic cycle into the next phase, we're going to go into this in a little bit more detail to give us some guidance. For now, I've highlighted uh, not just the key numbers, all of these are the key numbers that I'm watching right now, but I've highlighted the changes that uh, I think are particularly important for us to be mindful of. Uh, coronavirus, the acceleration, uh, the US, Australia, uh, the cases, the number of cases are accelerating this week compared to last week. In the UK, uh, they were slower growth globally, slower growth overall. I think that's a really important indicator for us economically, uh, which is the focus of these, not to downplay the health crisis, just to play to my strengths. Uh, the slowing of new cases is going to be a critical factor in a lot of these other economic measurements. My normal life, I don't really keep an eye on the stock markets. They are very useful indicators in uh, these kind of times. However, uh, all those three major ones, the FTSE in the UK, the Dow Jones in the US, the ASX 200 in Australia, uh, are all up this week. It has been quite a good week. I've seen some people talking about the fact that they're up 20% from their low, and that means we're back into a bear market. Um, Linked to the fact that coronavirus cases are still accelerating, I think that might be overly optimistic. Uh, I think there is uh, more to go uh, there. Um, every recession is different, however. Uh, and so uh, hopefully I'm surprised. The lower two unemployment GDP growth, they're really lag indicators, but they're giving us an idea of how deep the recession is getting and how long it is going to last. Uh, no changes from last week. These are numbers that come out monthly in the case of unemployment, quarterly in the case of GDP growth. Some preliminary estimates around unemployment uh, in Australia, where I'm living at the moment, uh, just based on businesses that have been shut down in the last couple of weeks, uh, the expectation is that that 5.1% unemployment is probably going to jump to 7.5% at least for the month of March. In the US, where they've been at record low unemployment of 3.5%. Uh, there are estimates anywhere between that going to 5.9%, which would be a similar jump to Australia, all the way up to potentially being 8.4% unemployment. And that's just at the end of March. Uh, and as I say, I don't think we're at the bottom of this. So those numbers are not right now telling us things, uh, but they will certainly very soon start to show us how severe or perhaps not the situation might be. Those of us who joined us last week, watched the video, listened to the podcast, uh, the economic clock, we talked about what time it is. Uh, putting that there so you can refer to it later in the slides, which of course you can download from my website. Let's simplify it again. Instead of going through all of the specific nuances, let's break it down into these four phases for your small to medium enterprise. Down, the drag, the release, and the up. Or more practically, how do you respond to those? Respond, plan, execute, profit. Right now, as we've talked about last week, we're probably somewhere 1.30, o'clock on the economic clock. Most businesses, the general economy is somewhere in that response phase. We're still responding to this crisis, this humanitarian crisis, this economic crisis. And I want to pull us out and have a look a bit more at the macro picture of what these economic cycles mean for us as business owners. And to do that, instead of showing this as a clock that goes round, I'm going to show this 
as a cycle that moves through. So you can see the numbers of the clock there. We can see the peak at 12, the bottom at 6. Uh, we can still see the respond, plan, execute profit. So drawing it out this way, this is another way of looking at the economic cycle, the peaks and troughs, the boom and bust that we go through. And of course, the economic cycle we're in at the moment is not the first one, it's not the last one, it's just part of the journey that we go on. My question for you as a business owner is partly where are we in the economic cycle, but more importantly, what is your journey going to be? What is the journey that your business and you as a leader are going to have with the ups and downs, the emotional elements of the cycle? Because really there are three ways that businesses can tackle the economic cycle. The first is that some businesses will dive. They will quickly or, which is sometimes more painful, slowly follow the economic cycle down and they will keep going. It will keep going down and those businesses will not survive this point in the cycle. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks for coming. Uh, better late than never, absolutely. Now, I want to reiterate a point that I made last week. Businesses may fail. Businesses will fail. Businesses sadly have already failed in this crisis. Entrepreneurs, business leaders, we as humans do not fail. We have the opportunity to learn from this to come back. And there is no shame in my world, absolutely. There is no shame in shutting down a business, particularly with some of the un, uh, potentially unprecedented things that we are experiencing at the moment. Now, for those that arrest that slide, that don't go into dive, and this is going to be the majority of businesses in those countries that I'm working with, with clients in, is that they are going to survive they are going to very, very closely follow the economic cycle. So they will be in for a rough period as long as the economy is tough. And then when things pick up, they too will pick up again uh, and business will carry on. The third option is the thrive. The businesses that may, yes, absolutely take a bit of a hit right now, particularly with the speed with which this recession is moving, but they won't go all the way down. They will make changes that mean that they can continue to be flat or even grow through the downturn. And then as the economy picks up, they will continue to grow and they will continue to grow at a much higher rate than the general economy. Those are the three types of businesses that we're facing. Those are the choices that you as a business owner and a business leader make. Which of those three, and feel free to drop me a comment for those who are joining us live. Which of those three do you want your business to be? Are you going to dive? Are you just going to hug in and shut up shop? Are you going to focus on survival? Is that the choice that you're going to have to make? Or is that the choice that you're going to make? Or are you going to choose to thrive? And I'm sure most people listening will be focused on the thrive. How can I, as a business owner, thrive? So it's useful when looking at, thank you, got some thrivers in the Facebook group, brilliant. So what's the difference between the three? 
what's the difference between the dive, the survive, and the thrive? And it's, you know, we look at how big the difference is when the economy picks up, but the real difference is not at that point in the cycle. The real difference comes now. The real difference comes at this point in the economic cycle, when things are starting to move down, when perhaps you have already been impacted in a negative way, you ask yourself, okay, well, what can I do differently? So between those three groups, dive, survive, thrive, what's different at this point in the economic cycle? And you might say it's luck. Now, when I was a, uh, a kid, uh, there were two competing bumper stickers that floated around. I saw in a lot of cars. This is long before the time of, of the My Family stickers. And I always thought it would be brilliant to have both, both of these bumper stickers on my car to acknowledge the fact that both of them are, my reality, true. And when it comes to luck, let's be honest, shit happens. I know some of you who are here on the live call, many of you who are in the group, and, and that's not an esoteric statement. Shit has happened to you. I've spent uh, a lot of this week calling up a lot of my business network, business clients, and, and there are some businesses, um, one in particular I know, I spoke to him about two months ago, and, and they were in the best financial position they had been uh, for forever, long-term business, pre-GFC, made it through the GFC, strongest financial position they'd ever been in as a business and as a family, and they are looking at 100% uh, revenue decline in the space of two weeks. Shit happens. I am also acutely aware, and this is the flip side, that magic happens. Now, if you invested in Zoom, for instance, video conferencing software, uh, their stock price, they listed just under 12 months ago, I believe, their stock price has doubled in that 12-month period. Uh, there are businesses in IT and cybersecurity uh, for whom this crisis, again, if we just focus on the business side, has been incredibly, it's, it's good luck. It's been brilliant. Uh, and so that's something to be mindful of with luck, that it can mean shit happens. It can mean magic happens. We can't discount that. Some businesses will dive right now through no fault of their own. Some businesses will thrive right now through no conscious choice of their own. I want to reinforce this belief, though, this statement. And I've got a quote up from Grant Cardone. Use your actions to create luck. This is a firm belief of mine. I hold a worldview that, that puts a lot of responsibility on me for creating my reality uh, over and beyond luck to take full responsibility for that, even one step removed from that. We have the power to influence how lucky we are. We have the power to influence our circumstances. So if we come back and have a look at those three businesses, the dive, the survive, the thrive, who all right now may look very, very similar. If it's not about luck, what is the key difference? And in my experience, working with businesses in recession, uh, the Great Recession, Europe, North America, uh, I've had clients in recession, countries like Hong Kong, South Africa, uh, internationally uh, over the past 12 months. Uh, so this recession that a lot of, you know, for instance, Australia is maybe going through uh, for the first time in, in a generation, uh, this is not something that's unprecedented globally. Uh, and in my experience, this is what makes the difference. It's how we respond to our emotions as business leaders. 
and how we act in regards to investment. And investment doesn't have to mean money. That can mean time. It can mean capability. Uh, it can mean business planning. And, of course, it can mean money. So the dive businesses, how are they going in terms of emotions and investment? Those business leaders who are most likely to struggle, suffer, and see their businesses close are the ones who ignore their feelings. They don't check in with them. They don't validate them. It doesn't mean those feelings don't exist. It just means that they act through them, which means that they can be quite rash. They can be treating their team, their clients, their suppliers uh, in a way that is not supportive of the long-term sustainment of the business. And in regards to their actions, they're the ones who stop investing. Again, some have absolutely no choice at the moment. You lose 100% of your revenue. Um, you're forced by the government in your country to shut down. That may be uh, the only thing that you have coming for you. Uh, but those who have the choice, though, please do not stop investing in yourself, your, your skills, your people, your culture. All of those things now are going to uh, be strength for the rest of, of the downturn and beyond. Those that survive, those that just follow the ups and downs of the economic cycle, they are aware of their emotions. Uh, they react to them. So there's a difference between reacting and responding. I sometimes use the analogy of throwing a tennis ball up against a wall. The wall can only react. If I throw a ball at the wall, it will bounce straight back. If somebody throws me a ball, I have the opportunity to respond. I can catch that ball. I can take a beat. And I can throw it back. I can throw it in a different direction. I can throw it back harder. I can throw it back softer. I may not want to hold on to that ball, but I can control how I respond. Those who don't take that option, who simply react, will find themselves at effect, at the mercy of the economy. And what that normally means from an investment perspective is uh, they invest down low too slow. So they will wait. Right now, they're probably sitting on their hands. Maybe they haven't stopped completely, uh, but they're certainly holding back from their decisions. And in their mind, when things get better, then I will invest. Then I will do those things in my business. When, then. And compare that to the Thrive businesses, the businesses that people live who've responded to my question have said, yes, that's what we want to be. You want to be a thrive business, which doesn't mean you don't have emotions. It just means you acknowledge your emotions, as we did in the meditation at the start of this webinar. Acknowledge our emotions. We recognize them for what they are. They're clouds passing through the sky. They're feelings. They're not facts. We learn from them. We take them on board. We let them go. We respond. We don't react. We don't ignore. We do the same for our team, for our clients, for our families, especially if we're cooped up in self-isolation with them. And from an investment perspective, we're not stopping. We're not waiting for the world to change so that we can be ready. We are ready now. And what we're investing in right now may be different to what we were doing a week ago, maybe very different from what we thought we were going to be doing with our New Year's resolution. So we may have changed the nature of our investment. We have certainly not changed our nature that we are investors, we are risk takers. And in business, we have to be risk takers to survive and to thrive. So what are you investing in? A 
a diagram we will come back to many, many times. This is that economic cycle that lists a lot more of the feelings at various times uh, so that we can listen, acknowledge our feelings and use that to gauge where we are in the economic cycle. Overlaying again those four phases, respond, plan, execute and profit. So a lot of that, what are we going to invest in is part of the planning. Maybe your business is counter-cyclical. This is one of my businesses. Don't waste a good recession, which has been sitting, I've had the plan all the way through the good times, all the way through the economic boom. I started putting out videos around preparing for a recession in 2018. I made choices with my money in 2018, awaiting an inevitable recession. So I've gone counter-cyclical to the broader economic cycle with this product. It's a counter-cyclical product, which meant as soon as the economy, uh, as soon as the markets dropped by 20%, we went into a bear market. That was my release point to execute. And hopefully, uh, as we will see, I'm here helping, I'm here responding, I am here with abundance and love and transparency and generosity, and as a business owner, uh, to make sure that my business thrives through this economic downturn. For my other business, my consulting business, uh, and for many of the people tuning in here, uh, we have a cyclical business, not a counter-cyclical business, which means right now we continue to be in the respond phase. So what then are we responding to this week? If you didn't catch last week's video podcast. Uh, we we caught up on a lot last week being the first one. We talked about getting a coronavirus policy, a work from home plan, a team communication plan, your cash flow forecast and your self-care plan. All of those are still relevant. It's amazing to me that that was barely a week ago when we were talking about if you have to work from home and how many businesses in the past week have found that choice taken away from them. It's a crazy and fast-moving world that we're in right now. If you haven't done some of those things, uh, re-watch, uh, download the slides, which you can do in the Facebook group or on my website. This week, here's what I see as the priorities. We're going to talk through them, as always, positively and practically. What's your plan for existing clients? How are you changing your sales, your business development approach? And if you have to, by choice or because shit happens, exiting team members and in particularly some of those team members that you value, that you love, that you've worked bloody hard, frankly, to uh, bring on board. Um, feedback I've had from the market when I've been out talking to business owners and, uh, you know, and other consultants, leaders, salespeople in the past week is that uh, a lot of businesses this past week or two have been very much in lockdown mode uh, as they've shuffed, uh, shifted their business model to the work from home, all of the technology requirements, uh, all of the communication requirements. They haven't necessarily been ready to have some of these proper response and forward-looking conversations, uh, but from next week, they will. Every business is different. Uh, some sectors, uh, of course, are booming right now. They're crying out for help because they're growing so fast. Uh, you can use that to your advantage. Uh, but for those uh, who are really starting to come up for air from the crisis, they're looking for help. And if they're your existing clients or prospects, here's what I'm encouraging you to do next week. Okay. Uh, little known fact about me, I won the University of Queensland Australian History Prize. Uh, that's relevant because this 
is quite a historical artifact that we've got here as a, as a picture right now. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with it, this is called a telephone. Uh, now, I'm the first to note that I'm not a big fan of phone calls. I love text messages. Uh, I have uh, worked remotely for a number of years. Uh, I do a lot via text, via WhatsApp, via email. Uh, I find it a lot more convenient than having to pick up the telephone. Now is not the time to avoid the telephone. Now is not the time to be scared of, of calls. Three or four weeks ago, I was telling people to get out their coronavirus email. That time has passed. Uh, now we need to be direct. Direct and connect is a couple of themes. If you want for this week, direction and connection. Uh, and for your existing clients, that means picking up the phone and having a conversation. What's the conversation that you're wanting to have? That's going to vary. It's got to be a very open conversation. You've got to be open to whatever's going on for them. But here are the, the four questions that I would recommend that, that you ask. And, and please, if you've got a team, if you've got a team of, of client managers, be sharing these. Uh, what, what are you experiencing, Mr. Client? What, what are you experiencing right now? This is great feedback. Uh, you know, what one business is experiencing and doing, you can share with other businesses. It takes a village to raise a child. It takes a community to get through a recession. If you're a conduit for a lot of those conversations, if you're talking to many business owners about what they're seeing and doing, and you can be sharing that wisdom, that's incredibly valuable. That's a great investment of your time right now. So asking, what are they experiencing? How are they feeling? What do they need? And how can you help? And a little bit of follow-up detail on each of those. So what are they experiencing? That's useful data. Every sector is different and every business is unique. You might be making the assumption that a client is really uh, up the creek right now. And you call them and discover that, uh, you know, for whatever reason, uh, they are well-placed. They're, they're responding very, very well right now or, or things have fallen into their lap and, and that's going well. Um, have that conversation. That's fantastic. The flip may also be true. A business that you thought was uh, going to be doing really well right now uh, and for whatever reason is struggling. Uh, ask the question. Don't make the assumptions. Uh, feelings. I used to be a partner in an accounting business. Uh, feelings were the F word. Uh, maybe that's part of, of why I'm not a partner in an accounting firm anymore. Um, feelings for me are a critical part of business. They're a critical part of supporting particularly small and medium business owners. You need, even if it's not your natural strength, even if it's not your skill set, right now you need to have empathy. You need to create the space and let People share with you whatever it is that they need or want to be sharing with you. You don't have to buy into it. You don't have to solve those problems. Uh, you just have to be there. And for some people, you may be the only real support they can get. If they're really hurting, that's a difficult thing to take home to their spouse. That's a difficult thing to take to their team who are also worried and may read too much into it. Having a trusted advisor or a team uh, that will listen to you, incredibly valuable. So don't underestimate just being there, asking the question and, and listening uh, in terms of how you are helping. One of my favorite questions in sales, one of my favorite questions for existing clients, you're looking for the next sale, is what do you need? 
What do you need right now? Most business owners are very in touch with their intuition. Gut feel, they know what they need right now. They know what their business needs. Ask that question. You'll often have to have created the space. These questions are in an order for a reason. Uh, They may not go like that when you have those conversations, but if you're having the feeling conversation, you're getting into the feelings, the intuition, that's the best time to ask what do you need, even if it's nothing to do with you. You're not asking what can I do, you're asking what what do you need? And the follow-up question may be how can I help, to which I would ask, can can you help? It's quite possible right now that you're not in a position to give those business owners what they need over and above being there and listening to them. And so one thing that I would greatly encourage you to be leaning on, not just calling all of your existing clients as soon as you possibly can this week, but also checking in on all of your referral partners, your business networks, your community. You may not have all of the solutions right now. Heck, none of us do. Uh, But your network probably are able to help. Uh, And I'm going to reference a couple. Uh, Last week, I talked about um, some HR advisories, some uh, CFO accounting companies, uh, bookkeepers who are doing great things. We talked about cash flow. I I went to the experts. Uh, Some of those are are quite relevant right now. Maybe there's lawyers, maybe there's lease negotiations, maybe there's people who are on top of government grants, whatever it might be, tap into your network, find out what they're doing to help their clients because they may be able to help your clients as well. It takes a community. Whatever you do this week, do not send an email with the words coronavirus or COVID in the subject line and think that that is sufficient for touching base with your clients. And I know just looking at some of you who are joining me live, some of you have hundreds of clients. Some of you may be listening to me say, pick up the telephone, and you're thinking that's impossible. Look, working from home for a lot of businesses was impossible a week ago. Shutting down the borders of our country was impossible a week ago. Uh, As Audrey Hepburn said, even the word impossible says I'm possible. Uh, And even in these circumstances, we must find ways to do it and to be there and be human, not be at the end of an email. Which flows into the second priority that I've got for us all this week, which is changing sales, changing business development. I've been running some great training sessions with my clients this week on this subject. One of my clients uh, overseas, so they're uh, a couple of weeks ahead of Australia in terms of shutdowns and schools and, and everything going online. They actually had their first instance of a, a client. They normally have a two sales meeting process. That's what they find on average. It takes to close a deal. It takes two sales meetings, which can take a month in between. Have a meeting. Okay, let's compare diaries. Right, have my people call your people. A month later, we come in, we close the deal. They had both meetings on the same day because it was all virtual. There was no commuting. Uh, the speed with which they're winning sales right now in a recession is faster than they were actually winning them in good times. So some granularity around your sales process. Here are some figures that hopefully you know already and you can compare how they're changing. If you don't know already, maybe have a gut feel for what it used to be and then keep an eye on it. The first, we're in the process row here. Uh, what are your conversion rates? I always like to ask, are you winning more than one in three of the proposals? On average, you know, the average salesperson will win about one in three. 
The average person's going to look for three quotes. If you're average, you'll win your fair share of them, which is one in three. Uh, good salespeople, most of my clients, win a lot more than one in three sales meetings. They've got a process. Uh, what were your conversion rates like? Start keeping an eye on them. Are they getting better? Are they getting worse? If they're getting worse, what do you need to change? If they're getting better, what's changed? Uh, make sure you're sharing that with your team. What's the time of your sales cycle and your cash flow cycle? So for me, my business advisory business, I have a three-month sales cycle. It takes three months from me ramping up marketing and sales activity before I start working with my clients on average. And then it takes another 30 days for me to invoice on average end of the month and 30 days on average despite my 14-day terms for my clients to pay. So my whole cycle there is five months long. It's 150 days. If I started uh, sales activity now, I wouldn't expect cash in my bank for five months. This is why focusing on sales at this time can crush your business if cash flow is what you need. But what are your times? What's your cycle? And start again seeing how that's shifting. Are sales happening faster? Are they happening slower? What do you need to change? Is cash flow happening faster or happening slower? In particular, the work that you've already done, get that work in progress sorted. Get those invoices out. Don't wait for the end of month. Get the invoices out. Uh, make sure that you're chasing debtors in a very timely manner. Now is not the time to be the bank for your clients. Have you got a clear process around nurturing your prospects? And have you got a clear sales meeting process for when you're sitting in front of, virtually or otherwise, a potential client? And for those of you who do have e-commerce businesses, online businesses, maybe you sell a lot digitally, uh, you know, you will definitely have a nurture sequence and you will also have you know, that sales meeting process is your landing page, your squeeze page, the order page where people are going to buy. Have you got a clear process for how that runs, how that is built? When I talk to business owners and sales teams who have the one in three or below, they don't have a sales meeting process. Uh, if you want a sales meeting process, the download page for uh, this week's webinar on my website will have a link to a specific video where I explain mine. Uh, it's called the Gratitude Sales Model. Uh, I also detail that in my book, my most recent book, which came out in January. Um, that book, incidentally, it's called the Startup Business Guide. Right now, there's a lot of startup businesses, a lot of new businesses. There's a lot of you who will be creating new products. You're essentially creating a new business. So don't be put off by the fact that that business targets startups. You are a startup. And if your business is starting to struggle, it may be because you didn't implement some of the things that we recommended for new and young businesses. So the startupbusinessguide.com, it's got a lot of detail around marketing, sales, nurture sequences, and the gratitude sales meeting model. Use of technology. Uh, there's an awful lot. I'm not going to go into... Um, you know, there's a lot of webinars, a lot of discussions. Uh, I'm putting together a checklist for some clients, for example, around how to use technology like Zoom in a sales meeting. What's different? What's the same? For me, the main difference is in a feeling space. It's harder to gauge feelings, to gauge body language. It's harder for me to hold the space uh, in a remote sales meeting. Uh, however, there are some incredible advantages, being able to share screens, being able to uh, you know, do it without a commute. Uh, there's a whole lot of benefits to doing 
um, sales meetings technologically. Across all of these, the key message in that process space is what are you doing? How is it working? Do you know? And if it's not working and not working well enough, what do you need to tweak? If you've got a big enough team, be sharing these conversations. What did you do last week that worked? Or what could you do better? What could do differently? What are we all learning? We're all in this together. Style, the style of your sales meeting has to change in these situations. Uh, right now, your clients are looking for leadership. Assuming they're not in New Zealand, they're not getting it from their government uh, and, and they will be feeling lost. They will be feeling at effect and they will be looking for a leader to help guide them through what we're going through. So connection and direction is two key themes for your sales process. Connection is that empathy piece. What are you experiencing? How are you feeling? Here's what I'm seeing. Are you seeing the same thing? Never more than now do we need to be clear that this is a human-to-human -human relationship. Find that connection, build that connection, and then give direction. My sales process historically has tended to be fairly relaxed. My business is at a point where I'm not chasing new advisory clients, and so uh, you know the ones that I get through referral, uh, I don't need to push them. I don't need to do the hard sell. And I'm not encouraging you now to do the hard sell, just pointing out that you need to connect the dots more clearly now than perhaps you are used to, where in the past you might have put a proposal in front of a client and let them think about it. Right now, you need to be very specific about the next steps. This is what we are going to do with your business, this is what we're going to do with your life, your family, your will, your superannuation, your rental property. This is what we're going to do. Uh, this is the outcome that you can expect. Uh, this is how much it's going to cost. This is the return you're going to get on that investment. These are the benefits uh, that, are, that are relevant to you. And as always, linking those back to that connection piece, what is actually important, what really matters to this person. Um, you may need to tell some prospects that they're idiots right now. Use your own language. Uh, but as I talked about in those three types of businesses, the dive, the survive, the thrive, there's a lot of people who are panicking right now and are buying into the panic or ignoring it, hoping it goes away. Um, you have a duty of care as a salesperson, as a business development manager, to, to pull them out of that, uh, to give them a metaphorical slap around the face and say, no, it doesn't have to be that way. Again, in good times, people are making silly decisions. They might work out. You don't know everything about their business. Maybe there's some things you're not aware of, uh, and that is actually the right decision for you. Right now, show some leadership, be clearer, be more direct. So your style of sales is probably going to change. Uh, the product, the packaging, again, talk about this for a month. Um, maybe you have an entirely new product right now. Uh, Mr. Books here in Brisbane, they're the florists that we tend to use for a lot of gifts. Thank you gifts, birthday gifts. Um, they uh, are not doing flower delivery right now. They're doing fruit and vegetable delivery. Uh, you know, we, we hear uh, trades who are shifting to uh, DIY. If we can't come out to your home, uh, here's how we can help you do it yourself. And of course, you know, ship you the, the products that you might need. What you're selling right now may be an entirely new product. It may be a pivot. It may have changed. You're going to respond. Obviously, that makes your sales process different. Uh, don't forget as well something we touched on last week, bundling versus unbundling. You may have a product at the moment which is 
you know, a whole lot of different services that you provide, great value, um, you know, as a single bundle of, of package, uh, bundle of services. Uh, right now, maybe you need to unbundle that. You need to only offer, um, I'll use property management as an example, uh, where maybe you need to be, uh, you know, only offering things like uh, arrears chasing or QCAT uh, tribunal things uh, and not necessarily doing the inspections or the, the, the weekly uh, payments of rent. Look at how you can unbundle your products and services that may lower the price, may make it easier for somebody to buy right now. Uh, similarly, if you've got a whole lot of different services, now might be the right time to bundle them together to be able to show a whole lot more value. Uh, and again, perhaps at a lower price, perhaps at a higher price, perhaps your price doesn't change. You're just value proposition shifts because you're being clearer and more direct about these are all the things that we will come in and do. We used to give people a shopping list. Right now, people don't have time to decide. You need all of this. Let's get started. The last point around how your sales might have changed is the pricing question. You may have seen my LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, I put out this week the, the question, did you register as a charity recently? Uh, got a few people who sort of thought for a moment that they should, that, that I was sort of saying that there might be some extra government benefits if they did register as a charity. Have I missed the, have I missed the, the time to, to do that? What I was getting at is that we are in business. Money is energy. We're all going to need energy to get through this just to survive. And certainly the businesses that are going to thrive through the next two years plus are the ones that are going to keep the energy flowing. And that means they're going to keep the money flowing. Your pricing, your marketing product, customer service balance may change at this point in time. You may find yourself giving away more upfront. I've seen a lot of pre-products products for prospects that used to be sold at a nominal fee, which are now being given away. Uh, there's a lot of customer service. There's a lot of value add extras that maybe you used to charge for as an upsell, which are now being given away for free. Uh, I understand that getting that balance right and changing that balance may be part of your business model. Just don't buy into the temptation to throw your hands up, give up and give it all away. How your business and how you as a business owner and leader respond through particularly the next three months, but over the next two years plus, is going to dictate the base platform from which your business grows for the next decade. If you start giving things away, if you start undervaluing your expertise, undervaluing your team right now, then you're setting yourself up to continue that, to carry that forward for the next decade. So yes, absolutely, it's easier to work for free right now. You don't have to do much of a sale if you're going to work for free. That is not good behavior, good business practice for the long-term future of your business and for your brand. If people remember you as the person who did things for free, if you're a premium service, that's going to jar at some point when you have to stop doing them for free. So I'm not saying don't be generous. Generosity is one of my values. Uh, you can combine it with transparency. Be clear about where your business is at. You didn't become a charity. Don't fall into that trap over the next few months. And please do share. We'll put out a question next week around how people are seeing sales changing in their business. Uh, I'd love to hear what you're seeing and experiencing and, and share some more of my uh, feedback as I talk to more and more businesses. Okay, third and final, what do you need to do to respond this week? Um, 
I thought about putting this one first because I know for businesses who are having to do this, it is really the top priority. Uh, I put it at the end because I wanted to make sure that some of those customer service, those sales conversations were clear to you if you haven't already thought them through before you have to make the hard decision to stand staff down, to put them on furlough, to make redundancies, to uh, to, to sack staff. Um, uh, there's a, a note, and I might, it's towards the end of that, um, of the points that I'm going to run through here, uh, but I will actually start with it. Uh, if you've never had to let a staff member, if you've never had to fire or sack a staff member before, uh, this is an incredibly valuable experience for you as a business leader. The first time I had to let a staff member go was, uh, I was very, it was my first full-time job. I was only uh, really six months out of university. Uh, and it was a fairly simple business decision. We had two, two roles that, uh, you know, because of you know some changes in technology that we were implementing, could be merged into one role. Uh, one of the staff members had been cross-trained about both. She'd been with the business for two years. The other staff member only knew one of the roles had only been business for six months. It was an easy decision for us as the business leaders to make as to which staff member we had to let go. Uh, and my CEO at the time, uh, he said, "Look, you know, I know you're you know you're managing her." Um, so this is obviously, you know, you hired a, you know, you, you're responsible for firing her, uh, but I'm happy to do it. He'd done plenty of them over the years. That was in the real estate industry. Uh, a lot of salespeople he had had the hard conversation with over the years. He was comfortable doing it, knew that it hurt, didn't want to throw me in off the deep end. And, and one of the best business decisions I ever made was to thank him and to take that responsibility myself. Because sitting down in front of another human being and letting them know that you're terminating their employment is one of the most difficult emotional things. It's, it's one of the hardest emotional experiences that that person is going to have. And as a, another human being, uh, you know, feeling the empathy in that situation, it's a very difficult thing to do. As a business owner myself now, uh, as a business leader, when you have to to sack a staff member, you remember that feeling. And you remember that feeling in a way that says, I never want to have to do that again. What can I do differently in my business moving forward so that I never have to do that again? And it, and it may be better recruitment practices. It may be better training practices. It might be a whole different business model so that you don't have to go through that pain. Uh, so for those of you who are having to sack staff members for the first time, uh, I feel your pain. Uh, don't try and sugarcoat the situation that you're going through. Just know that it will make you a better business leader in the future, regardless of the future of the specific business you're leading right now. Um, okay, so um, key decisions around exiting team members. Who, when, and how. Um, who. Look, I named this group, I named this business for a reason. Don't waste a good recession. You may very well have some team members that you've been on the fence about. You may have some team members that you've been wanting to get rid of, but you haven't had a good uh, justification to do so. Um, don't waste a good recession. Now is the time to, uh, if you're having to get rid of staff, First and foremost, get rid of those ones that are not a fit, that are holding your business back, that are impacting the energy of your organization. Um, they will be the first to go. Uh, 
Uh, and uh, that is one of the, you know, frankly, long-term benefits that can come out of this kind of downturn. You've got to think future and not past. Uh, removing staff in this situation can't be as simple as last in is first out. You've got to think about the future of your business. If I'm here in two years at the end of this crisis, if I'm here in 10 years at the peak of the next boom, that's the business that I'm building from right here, right now, today. Who in my current team do I most want to make sure is going to be there in that time frame, and who is most going to help me get there? And yes, that may mean that some of your longest team members are no longer a fit. That's a hard decision, but you need to think future, not past. Uh, absolutely, of course, also, you know, look at costs, look at values. Um, this is why middle management are often the ones to go in these situations. They cost more than the staff that they manage, so there's more savings to be had, and the value that they bring, especially when there's not a lot of work on, is a whole lot less. Uh, so weigh those up, um, link it to your cash flow planning uh, in order to make the decisions. Um, Two little tools that can help with that. Um, just do a list of your team members, uh, you know, Peter, Paul, Mary, Tom, Ricardo, Harriet, whatever. Gut feel, uh, how are you feeling about them and, and how they work in your business? Is it a tick, they're fantastic? Is it a cross, they're a pain? Is it a, a neutral, they're you know, sufficient, they're good, uh, you're happy enough with them? Um, go through, trust your gut, any of those crosses, um, they are possibly the ones that you are going to have to let go operational considerations aside, of course. Um, the ticks are probably the ones that you most want to keep. Uh, and even if they're not in a key role right now, they're probably, by virtue of the fact that they're a tick, the ones who are going to retrain, upskill, help you out the fastest. So that's one way of doing it. When you look at the future of the business, uh, I've got a diagram here from uh, my Roles and Responsibilities uh, Masterclass, uh, which just kind of looks at different shapes and colours of businesses. Uh, you can learn a little bit more about that in my Blackboard Friday's video series. Uh, you, you, if you're looking to the future of the business, which might be next week, which might be in two years, it might be in 10 years, what's the size and shape that you want? Uh, you can't get rid of all of the, the doers. Uh, you can't just keep the, the senior staff uh, who are used to sitting around doing sales and, 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 and let go of, of all of the people who actually deliver the work. Clearly, it doesn't work. Um, uh, you can't get rid of all of the administrative staff uh, in most cases. You've got to get that right balance. So if you are downsizing right now, make sure you are also right-sizing, that that business you're going to end up with is the right mix of um, you know, strategic, revenue-generating, and administrative staff members. And similarly, if you think about who will be in the business in the future, once you've grown as a result of thriving through this or regrown, from survival, what's the shape that you want in that? Uh, the diagrams that I've got up there, uh, the ones in the top row are shapes that are well balanced. The ones below are out of whack. You want to make sure that the shape of your business doesn't get out of whack now or going through this recession because that just means more inefficiencies at a time when you can least afford it. I think future, not past. When are you going to do it? When are you going to let staff go? Again, be talking to business owners who have already done this, business owners who have had no choice because of shutdown or because of clients ceasing work. Um, they've, they've had to do it. Don't wait too long. 
the temptation as a business owner is to, to hold on, to break even for as long as I possibly can and hope that this all goes away. It's not going away. Certainly the economic consequences are going to be felt for months and I think probably years. Um, so holding on is just depleting your cash flow, depleting your war chest, depleting your energy. So don't wait too long and don't be too shallow with your cuts. Uh, again, the temptation is, you know, if, if I need to lose three team members to break even this month, I'll just lose three team, team members. Based on some of these other questions, if, if you can get rid of five team members, that's probably the better option for you because that's going to give you breathing space if things get worse. If things don't get worse, it's going to give you a buffer in terms of your cash flow and ultimately your cash. And that buffer, as we're going to talk about uh, as we shift from the respond to plan phases of this economic cycle, that cash buffer is what's going to allow you to invest to get ahead of the competition, to get ahead of the market. So don't wait too long. Don't be too shallow. Uh, link it to the cash flow forecast uh, and scenario planning triggers. Pulling up a slide from last week, which is why I've highlighted last week's date. Um, again, if you haven't watched that webinar, you can download the slides on my website. Uh, subscribe. Don't waste a good recession on YouTube. Don't waste a good recession on Spotify. Um, some scenario planning, cash flow forecasting. Um, those choices you've got at the bottom of each of them, that's the trigger. If we go into this, if we have to shut the whole business down or if we lose 50% of our staff, 50% of our revenue, uh, and it's going to be for the long term, what are the choices I need to make now to make sure that the business survives and potentially thrives even in that situation? Uh, and so those are the trigger points at which you want to, that's the when, when do I need to let go of staff at those trigger points, if not before. Uh, last, which is the how, if you've never done it before, um, congratulations, this is an incredibly valuable learning. Uh, employment law is complicated at the best of times right now with what governments around the world are throwing uh, in terms of benefits for staff that have been stood down or made casual or lost hours. It's, uh, it's crazy. Some of the forums that I'm in, uh, people are pointing out that, you know, I can sack half the staff this fortnight hire them again in two weeks, sack the other half in two weeks, bring them back on. You know, it's better for me to do that than to try and just give everybody half pay because if I do half pay, they won't be entitled to government benefits X, Y, and Z. It is complicated. It's fast moving right now. I'm not your expert on that. I have some HR advisors who are. If you need some employment law advice, um, particularly Australia, uh, the UK, where I have specific networks, um, but I'm also uh, reasonably well tapped in around uh, the US, China, Southeast Asia, New Zealand, South Africa, uh, pretty much every English-speaking former colony. Um, uh, I've got networks in all of those countries. If that's you, if you need some HR guidance and support right now, um, feel free to let me know, again, in the group on Facebook or by email, jacob at jacobaldrich.com. Uh, whether you're having to uh, fire your staff whether you're just having to stand them down, whether they're going to part-time hours. Um, remember the team communication plan we looked at last week. How are you going to keep communicating with your team through this? We all hope it's only temporary, even if temporary is a two-year period. Uh, this is going on for everyone right now. If you've got to let go of great team members, it's unlikely that they're going to be able to walk into a great job with one of your competitors. 
Uh, they may struggle to walk into a good job anywhere else at the moment. That's uh, the, the harsh reality that, that we are all faced with at the moment. Your long-term future may include those current team members, even if there needs to be, for the survival of your business, a period where they're not your employees. So how can you keep communicating through the downturn? Uh, and that can be um, you know, a Facebook group, a LinkedIn group. You can set up an alumni group of, of all of those team members. You can formalize it. It can be you know, the, the coronavirus victims uh, of XYZ Proprietary Limited, uh, where you can be getting together, um, you know, create the forum. Um, WhatsApp group is a, another common one that I'm, I'm hearing a few businesses doing. It gives you an avenue as the business owner to keep people up to date. Hey, great news. You know, we've managed to retain, uh, you know, such and such clients or, you know, great news. You know, our commercial landlord has given us some relief, which is going to help the business. Uh, if you can keep communicating with those team members through the downturn, you are going to be in pole position to rehire them, to bring them back into the fold as soon as your business circumstances allow. So don't see this as goodbye, as farewell. See this as au revoir. See this as we will see you again soon. And then don't wait. Don't think that I'm going to be able to pick up the phone in six months, two years' time and, and, and re-kick things off. Keep investing in your staff. Acknowledge their emotions. Don't share your great news. Great news, guys. My uh, riverfront mansion is now mortgage-free for six months. That's that's not what you're sharing. Uh, but keep keep giving them the, the, the real news about your business, some of the positive news about the business. Let them feel the love, even if, unfortunately, they're not going to be feeling a paycheck. Final check-in. You can see why, and this is a space for those who are joining us for the first time, if you do have any final questions, thoughts that you want to share, if there was anything specific and valuable that you got out of that discussion, please do post a comment either live on Facebook or on YouTube, uh, on uh, your podcasting app. You can see why we start these with a meditation to try and get us calm and grounded and present and focused for all of the things that I, I want to bring. I'm going to start on YouTube cutting these into chapters so that if you want to rewatch a specific chapter like that sales training or the uh, exiting staff members, you know, you can just jump into that. Uh, we have covered a lot again this week. There is a lot going on. Thank you uh, for those of you who have sat through and, and watched it all, who've supported, who've contributed some of the comments and uh, likes, etc., cetera, uh, to the live thing. Uh, I do hope that this is continuing to help and support your business. Final actions for this week, apart from those specific ones, if you haven't yet, join the Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash good recession. Subscribe on YouTube. Get those chapters, the whole video. Don't waste a good recession. If we get to 100 subscribers on YouTube, we can actually give our channel and name, which makes it easier for other people to find it. So uh, I'm 99 subscribers short of that goal right now. Um, tell your friends. It takes a community. Sharing is caring. It helps me. It helps us all uh, to share the Facebook group, some of these videos, podcasts. The support documents are now available for download. That includes this slide deck. Uh, it includes a link to the Startup Business Guide. You can buy uh, that book 
for your pivoted product, your new business, or to review your business practices, paperback, Kindle, or direct PDF. Uh, it's got a link to my video series, which includes some of those sales videos uh, and more. JacobAldridge.com forward slash good hyphen recession hyphen 2020-03-29. And do feel free to join my mailing list. Thank you to uh, Jude Love at Love Communications, who has set up from next week a Don't Waste a Good Recession specific mailing list. Love your work, Jude. Uh, thank you to Kurt Sanders and the team at the content division who created uh, all of the podcast uh, elements. Uh, and we've got a new logo coming from the content division next week. So thank you as well. And thank you to everybody who has been sharing. Stay well. Feel your feelings. Don't ignore them. Don't react to them. Acknowledge that they exist and that they are those clouds in the sky that will pass. The sky remains, you remain, your business with some luck and your good guidance will remain. But keep investing as well. I love you all and I will see you next week.